Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Diana Bacon. Diana, are you ready to do this? Obviously. Obviously. Let's let's do this. Diana is a CFP, a CDFA, an MBA, a senior wealth manager and partner with Financial Strategies Group. I'm excited to have you on. Diana, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. So I've been in the industry for over 20 years. Um, I literally fell in this industry by chance. Um, a friend of mine encouraged me to go this route, and 20 years later, I have a career that I love. Um, I'm living in Dallas, Texas, where I moved in 1998. Um, I'm married to a great husband, Eric. We have two children, um, ages 13 and 10, who are in Dallas public schools. Um, we have two rescue dogs. I'm very involved in the um, animal welfare community and have been for several decades. Um, I'm a Sunday school teacher. been doing that for 15 years. Uh, probably a huge part of how I see myself. Um, I'm also a CrossFitter and a weightlifter, a CrossFit coach, weightlifting coach. And again, those really bleed into who I am as a financial planner. Um, started my practice in 06, started doing this in 1998. Um, and I've really had this great, um, professional life where I get to help people. I get to use my undergrad in mathematics. I get to be analytical. I get to use my MBA skills. Um, so I really love what I do and the fact that I get to help people along the way. Well, I appreciate that very much. So 15 years as a Sunday school teacher, and you talked about how that plays into how, how you see yourself. Tell me a little bit more about that. So I spent 10 years teaching four, five, and six-year-olds, which when I first started doing it was so far removed from my <laughs> everyday life. Like there are these weird, wiggly people <laughs> who actually are brilliant and, oh, yeah, it's amazing. Like, watch a five-year-old try to sit still for 10 minutes. <laughs> it's not, like, they can't even do it. Like, if you have a great story, maybe with, like, a puppet or they can use Play-Doh or pipe cleaners <laughs> at the same time, you're good. But, like, they're just amazing little humans. But they're so smart because they can look at the story and what you're talking about and really relate that to their lives in a way that, adults struggle with. So I love doing that. I also did that as I started to have children and that was my life and all that. So then um, our director of children's religious education was brilliant. It was like, oh, your kids are little now. Go teach the 14-year-olds, which in my church um, is the coming of age year. So they're learning about um, our religion and how it is in the world, their spiritual practices, all of that. So um, guiding these people in really looking at things that no freshman wants to talk about or look at, like that's way beyond what they want to do. They want to, you know, watch YouTube videos and sure. be on Instagram and all that. Yeah. So 
guiding them through that and things they don't want to discuss and what they don't want to think about and don't even want to acknowledge, I mean, that's really helped me as a wealth advisor because no one wants to talk about their budget or what happens to my money when we die. So, um, like it's, it's all the same thing again and again. Um, and it's also helped me kind of loosen up and let my clients see who I am as a person, um, what my true values are, um, which I always, um, thought might be a detriment to my practice. I'm Unitarian. It's not a super well-known church. Um, we do a lot of social justice work, care a lot about, um, women's rights, civil rights, um, LGBTQ community. And I worried that that would maybe negatively impact my practice and the opposite happened. I was, I was extremely naive about that. There's so much awesome stuff there. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and I, you know what, is, isn't that always, well, it's probably not always the lesson, you know, I, I think when it goes sideways, when somebody does their best to live their authentic self, if that's a real term, if it, if it doesn't work out, maybe you don't hear that story, but the people that I pay attention to and in my own life, I know that I've been happiest and most successful when I just work to live the way that I really want to live. I think people respond to that. So I appreciate that very much. Oh, absolutely. The, the, that thing where we're all trying to be who we were supposed to be blows up in everyone's face all of the time. <laughs> right. I feel like Gen Xers have learned that and we're living that hard life and millennials don't have to deal with that. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Fair enough. As, as an old person, that's my thought. Well, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm 40, so I'm, I'm, I'm Gen X. I, <laughs> I, I totally get it. I just hadn't really thought about yeah. that necessarily. All right, so, so so much great stuff there. I mean, talking about talking about the power of narrative in in, in helping four year olds, but also also anybody, millennials, Gen Xs, whoever, um, to to understand difficult things and grapple with them, and and helping clients and young people through difficult conversations they don't necessarily want to have. I, I think something that 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 popped into my head also as you were talking, you're 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 obviously committed to your your faith and your religion and there's obviously community there i also think that that crossfit is a successful thing because of the community element there as well um do you think that there's there's connection between community and and becoming more sex successful with things oh i absolutely believe that um you know i've i've really come to understand that I work best with people who understand community. That's why I loved being a CrossFit coach right now because my children are a little older and their life is chaos. I'm not currently coaching uh, on an ongoing basis, but the CrossFit community and coaching a CrossFit class is so much fun because every athlete on the gym floor knows that they're expected not just to do that workout to the best of their ability on that day, but they're there to support everyone around them. And if they are that elite athlete working out in a class and they finish first, the worst thing they can do is put their equipment away while that 
you know, 48 year old housewife who just started at the gym and is super out of shape and she's struggling. Like if you're putting your equipment away and she's still doing the workout, that's not community. I mean, community is always being there and showing up for the other people. Um, so that that level of human connection is, is important with all people, whether they're, you know, at church or clients or, or prospects or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Appreciate that very much. And I think that, I think that that's, that's why programs like CrossFit are successful. I think programs like Weight Watchers, Alcoholics Anonymous are successful in influencing actual real behavioral change because of that community, because of that accountability. You mentioned a couple of, of really important markets that you're working with, uh, being the women and the, and then the LGBTQ. Do you see parallels between, um, just how strength in a community like those two can help people to become more successful specifically with money? Oh, absolutely. So we know in those two communities, so women, we have all the statistics. So women will earn less over their life expectancy. LBGTQ um, will earn even less over the life expectancy. So looking at working with these two groups, in planning their money, um, it all, you, you can't ignore the fact that these two groups are underserved with financial services, certainly, but also come to the table with very different needs and their goals need to be viewed differently. Uh, the, you know, when you look at any projection software, that's all great because that's based on Americans as a whole, which those numbers won't match those two communities. So um, it's a very different outlook. Fair enough. So can we talk a little bit about what needs are different and then what how, how the goals need to be different, viewed differently specifically? Yeah. So um, with women, it depends on um, age is a big thing because um, they will age out of being able to be hired much younger than men will. So if they don't have job security, it definitely changes the planning because they, they just won't have that opportunity for the earnings. Um, LBGTQ, that portion of the, of the population, um, for those that are more passing, um, which means that they just look like the typical heteronormative cisgendered person, they will have an easier time with employment um, for those uh, maybe in the trans community who might visually stand out a bit more. That's really going to cut into their earning potential. So for those who go off into, uh, you know, there are a lot of opportunities right now in working remotely and all that. So that's typically where when someone asks my career advice, any of that, I advise them that that's a nice direction to go so that they don't have that uphill battle. Um, yes, we all want this super diverse, inclusive world. I hope we're moving to that. But working with these two communities, I never shy away from reminding them of reality and where we're living. I mean, I work with um, 
same-sex couples who live in small towns in the South. That is a very different life than anyone living in an urban environment. Um, And now when we're seeing um, things that are happening in this country where their health care could be affected, um, their ability to access health care, for those that are in smaller communities, we are increasing savings that could be used in the future to access health care. I think that's uh, these religious freedom laws we know will absolutely affect people who need to access cancer treatments, you know, any long-term treatments. Um, If they don't have access in their community, they're going to have to go elsewhere, which means greatly increasing that cost. So I'm very frank with my clients on this is the world we're living in. Let's look at all of these. As a financial planner, I feel like the best thing I can do is talk about worst case scenario. Yeah. So then we walk through, okay, if it is actually worst case scenario, if your state does pass a um, religious conscious law, which says professionals can turn you away because it's against their religion, where are you going to go? Let's look at that scenario and set aside that money and look at a time horizon and invest it in quarterly, accordingly. Um, so it it does have a great effect. And uh, the best thing that any planner working in these communities can do is to be knowledgeable about their obstacles and really think about how you can help your clients prepare for overcoming them. Because the world's the world isn't going to change tomorrow. And the people are still living in the world. So let's just help them live their lives, but also be prepared for what could happen. Yeah, well, I appreciate that very much. And the idea of of living in a separate reality than the one we're living in sounds stupid, and, and there's not a big future in it. So addressing and just realizing these are the challenges that we're looking at right now and what could come in the future, and you need to be prepared for that, um, I, I think is excellent advice. Um, so it just it, it's a matter of making sure that you have the cash reserves for things like that for potential medical care if you're not able to receive it um, in, in the state you're living in. Um, so also being aware of all the legislation that's going on. Are there other main or big areas that you think people should really be thinking about? You know, I I, I really think that people need to, and I understand this is going to come from how much means you have. But they really need to look at where are they currently living, what limitations will be there, and should they move. And um, I get it. I mean, people are super tied to, their identity is tied to where they're from. I get that. But I'm having this conversation more and more almost daily. Um, I want people to look at if your children will be limited in their education, if you will be limited in where you can seek healthcare, if your children will be, like any of these limitations that will really hinder your standard of living should you move elsewhere. And typically the next step of that is there is an increased cost of living. So do you have more earning potential elsewhere or does your spouse or do you move and just accept a lower standard of living like these are really important decisions but 
we absolutely need to push our clients into looking at them and evaluating them because this is their life and their money. And I mean, there's just no way around that. Got it. Can you give me an example of either a state or a piece of legislation that, that, that you're sort of referring to right now? Uh, sure. So I live in the state of Texas and Texas has zero protections for discrimination for the LBGTQ community. So you can be fired for being gay. You can, you know, show up for work the first day, you're filling out all of your information, you list your same-sex spouse, or you list your trans child, and you could be fired for that. Um, I moved to Texas right after I started doing financial planning. I was working with corporate executives. That was a great learning process because I learned to pick up on the people who were dodging their spouse's name and Hmm. not using pronouns and all of that. So um, I really just happened into this um, portion of the world, we can call it a niche, whatever, um, by accident because I really loved working with clients. And so I saw that people would be moved here by a large corporation. They're fine. Their job's protected. And most of the time they're able to pull, and this is before same-sex marriage was a thing, but they'd be able to pull their, um, who they called their spouse, onto their health insurance and under domestic partnership. That's all great. But then their spouse would move here and maybe work for a smaller company. The first thing I would do is tell that client, you need to talk to an employment attorney. You need to talk to someone who knows about this because if you're gonna have an employment arrangement, you can't have a morality clause. You can't have anything like that in there because they can fire you. Or, you know, a lot of people don't have employment agreements. And so I just remind them, you need to think now. If you're going to be out at work, that's totally your decision. You need to live your life as you're most comfortable. But don't forget, if someone in the company is uncomfortable and goes to your boss and complains, they can look you in the eye and say, I'm firing you because you're married to someone of the same gender. So um, this has been something that I've been dealing with my whole career in Texas. Um, Texas has had multiple um, things that we've fought in our state legislature, Um, not this session, but the session before we had a bathroom bill coming through. And thank heavens that the business community really stepped up and said, stop like we we don't we don't need to mess with transgendered people's lives like they got it rough enough right let the people go to the bathroom and everyone should wash their hands like stop worrying about it um but we had a huge attack which was from our lieutenant governor who's um fairly focused on all of these points um but luckily we had enough of the business community who's like this is really bad for us. How do we get someone to transfer in, you know, to a job in our state or we can hire that, you know, and tell them, come live here. We have good schools. We have this and that. If they also are worried about this lack of support for who they are as a person or their family, or even, you know, just, 
the everyday person, man marries a woman, all of that. Well, you don't know when you have a baby. Is that baby straight, gay, transgendered? And you're putting them in our public schools. If there's not that support, if you have a bill in our legislature, which we saw in 2017, that says, first it was a flat out bathroom bill, but they narrowed it down to, no, it's just in schools. Okay, but kids need to be supported. When you look at statistics, the statistics for LBGTQ kids and depression and suicide rates are horrifying. So, okay, tell me what an infant is going to turn out as. So it, it really affected the abilities of the large corporations who, luckily in Dallas, they love us here. They come here in droves, but if they can't hire people, if they can't attract people to Texas, then that whole thing where, hey, everyone wants to move to Texas, it goes away. No doubt. Well, Diana, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, I have two different pieces of advice. It's kind of based on the same idea of being selfish. So I know I talked a lot about LBGTQ, and I'll get to that in a moment. But first, I work a lot with women. I work a lot with women right after transition. Either they've lost their spouse or they divorced their spouse. And women, um, they're givers. They like to give. They would give any of their children their left lung. Um, Any of their siblings, they would do anything for them. But what they need for long-term financial security is to be selfish. They need to put themselves first. Don't sacrifice your life, your retirement for your kids. Um, Don't pour everything you have into someone else because then your life never begins. And in the LBGTQ community, honestly, it's, it's that same thing. It's be selfish. And plan for the life you're living. I get it. I get all of the things we want for everyone in that community. But be realistic and be selfish. Make sure that you are taking steps to protect you, to protect your spouse, your partner, and your children. Um, Don't worry about what everyone says you should be doing or what you could be doing in a different area of the country. If you want to go there, fantastic. But plan for the life you're living. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Diana, (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? So our website is is fsgadvisors.com. Advisors is with an E. Um, We also have a Facebook page, which is Financial Strategies Group. Um, Follow us. And please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from everyone. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Diane your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to FSGAdvisors with an E.com. Follow them on Facebook. I'll list both of those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Diana. Thanks, George. This was fantastic. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding 
how all the technology works behind it, and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course, and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing. Leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.